If I were to say the word rapture, what is probably the first thought that comes to your mind? If you're like me, and if you're like most religious people in the world, you probably immediately think of the premillennial doctrine that teaches that there will be an event known as the rapture, in which Christians will be suddenly and mysteriously snatched off the face of this earth and taken directly up into heaven. At which time the world will then endure a period of seven years of terrible tribulation, which will then be followed by the second second coming of Christ, which will then inaugurate the millennia, where Jesus will then reign on the literal throne of David for a literal 1,000 years in the city of Jerusalem. Now, I have preached on the rapture and the doctrine of premillennialism before. And here are the titles of just a couple of lessons uh, that I have preached for your reference and for your listening. Because quite frankly, we don't have the time this evening to get into a real lengthy study about those particular subjects. I'll just commend those lessons to your hearing once again. However, I will just give you the very, very quick Cliff Notes version of those sermons. And that is this. And that is that the rapture doctrine is not biblical. You won't find it in your Bible. You won't find that word rapture in your Bible. And even more importantly than that, you won't find the concept of the rapture taught in your Bibles. And the reason for that is because the rapture doctrine, it was not even an idea until 1830. When a fellow by the name of John Darby started teaching that particular doctrine and it started becoming more and more popular amongst denominational churches of the world. I want you to tuck that thought away in the back of your mind that it didn't even come along until 1830. Hold on to that. I'm going to come back to that in just a couple of moments. And so for most of us, if not all of us sitting in this room this evening, when we hear the word rapture, we immediately associate it with this. We immediately associate it with something that we understand to be a false doctrine. Which is why we might become a little bit troubled whenever we are addressing one another in song and we find that word rapture, or maybe some variation of it, littered all throughout the pages of our songbooks. Have you noticed that? I've actually been keeping a tally. I keep this little post-it note in my songbook. And I've been trying to write down and record all of the different songs that we have sung here at Lakeside and sing with some regularity that include the word rapture somewhere in its lyrics. And you should know, as you might be able to see there, there's a lot of them. Several. For example, let me catalog those for you. And you may even pull your songbook out and kind of try to follow along with me if you want to. The first is right there in song number four, Blessed Assurance. Because right there in verse number two, it says, Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. You don't get very far till you get to song number twelve, He's my king. The chorus of that song says, All day long in raptured praise I sing. You jump ahead to song number 154, Near the Cross, in the chorus of that song as well. It says, Till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. You come to song number 180, Wonderful Story of Love. Twice that word appears there. In the verse number 1, it talks about angels with rapture announcing it. And then in verse 3, singing the rapturous chorus. You jump to song number 232, when all of God's singers get home. In verse number 2 there, it speaks of, "'Tis a foretaste of 
rapture to come. Song number 254 on Jordan's stormy banks. The third verse talks about filled with delight, my raptured soul would hear no longer wait. Jump all the way to song number 411, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. In verse number 2, it talks about no language my rapture can tell. Song number 426 at Calvary, verse number 3, now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Song number 428, oh happy day. We sing that often after someone has maybe been baptized into Christ. Verse 1 talks about, and tell its raptures all abroad. Number 457, I'm nearing the end here. The last mile of the way, verse 3 says, twill enhance all the raptures of heaven. Number 463, hold to God's unchanging hand. The third verse there says, your enraptured soul will view. And then finally, number 530, looking to thee. The third verse says, I shall with rapture more and more. Now, there are other hymns in our songbook that do use the word rapture. These are not the only ones, but these are the dozen or so that I'm aware of that we sing often here at Lakeside and that we are most familiar with. And so you might be thinking to yourself right now, okay, thinking about what that word rapture means at least, Generally speaking, does that mean, Josh, that as we've sang these songs, that we have been singing false doctrine? You know, Colossians 3.16 says that whenever we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we are teaching one another. And so are we guilty of teaching false doctrine here at Lakeside, this erroneous concept of the rapture? Well, to answer that in a word, and to put your mind at ease, no. Because contrary to what the majority of the religious world has been led to believe, the word rapture, it existed long before 1830 when John Darby came up with the rapture doctrine. In fact, it is an old Latin term. It's derived from a Latin term that dates all the way back to the 1500s. And the word simply can mean this, ecstatic joy. Or excessive delight. Overflowing joy and expressions of happiness and delight. Which means then, that for nearly 300 years, whenever people use the word rapture, whether in their their talk or even in their writing, everybody knew exactly what it meant. It meant this right here. It meant ecstatic joy. It meant excessive delight. Nobody between 1500 and 1830 was thinking of some imaginary event called the rapture because it hadn't even been thought up yet. And it is my sincere belief then that whenever we look at the use of that word rapture in each of those songs, I believe that this right here is the intention of those hymn writers. That they are using that word to describe an intense and overwhelming joy and elation and delight about God and about the things of God. For example, on song number 232 there, when all of God's singers get home, what is that song about? Just, Just from the title of that song, when all of God's singers get home, what's that song about? That song is about heaven, isn't it? It's a song about being in heaven. And so when the hymn writer speaks of the rapture to come, what's he talking about? He's talking about that enormous joy of being in heaven. That we will be overflowing with rapture. 
Because we're there in the presence of God for all of eternity. Or what about song number 426 at Calvary? If you were to look at the third verse of that song, that verse goes like this. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own Him as my King. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. What is the author of that song describing in that verse? The author is describing a person, hopefully us, who has surrendered, who has submitted, who has obeyed King Jesus. They are now in a right relationship with the Lord. They are in a saved condition. And the result of that is rapture. They are rapturing over their salvation, exceedingly joyful because they've been saved from sin. And I believe, we could just kind of go down the list with all of those songs there. I believe when you put each and every one of those lines in the context of those songs under the microscope, I think that's exactly what you'll find the songwriters talking about. The raptures and the joys of heaven. The rapture and the joys of salvation. The rapture and the joy of living the Christian life. The rapture and the joy of being in a right relationship with our God. In fact, a couple of those songs on Jordan Stormy Banks and Oh Happy Day, I can tell you positively they cannot be talking about the so-called rapture event because those songs were written decades before the rapture doctrine had even been dreamed up. Now I know what somebody might say here. Somebody might say, Josh... Now, you don't know for certain what those hymn writers were thinking whenever they used that word rapture in all of their various songs. You know, you think about lots of those hymn writers, lots of the hymn writers that we have, the songs of, many of those were denominational folks, folks who come from denominational backgrounds. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them did believe in premillennial doctrine and the idea of the rapture. And so, Josh, who are you to say that that wasn't their intention originally? And while I will concede that maybe, maybe one or two of those songs might be construed that way, just because that may have been their intention, that doesn't mean that that has to be our intention whenever we sing these songs. In fact, if you have been singing any of these songs, and you've had the idea every time you see the word rapture in there, if the thought that you're thinking about, if the thought that you are expressing with your mouth when you sing those words, if that thought is of the rapture event, stop it. Stop thinking that. It's wrong. It's false. It's not based in Scripture. Instead, think that right there. Think about ecstatic joy, excessive delight, the rapture event. That's not biblical and it doesn't make for sound teaching in our worship. But this idea, this meaning, this meaning of rapture, ecstatic joy, excessive delight, that absolutely is biblical. I'll close with just one verse to show you that. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 8 and 9, Peter says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. And you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Attaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see that expression right there in the middle of the passage? Rejoicing with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory? That's rapture. You just plug in the word rapture right there. That's what Peter is describing. The rapture of salvation. 
The joy that we ought to feel, the joy that we ought to have in our hearts and in our lives, knowing that we are saved. The salvation of our souls. Which begs the question this evening. Do you know that joy? Do you know know the rapture of salvation? As we extend the invitation of Jesus the Christ, that is what the Lord is inviting you to come and to have and to know and to experience. The joy and just almost the joy that we really can't even completely put into words. The joy that is inexpressible because we know that our sins have been washed away and we are now a Christian. We're on the road that leads to heaven. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. I've asked Paul to lead number 180, and it is one of these songs that talks about rapture a couple of times. Do you think about the use of that word when we sing these songs in verse 1 and in verse 3 and be able to sing that with the Spirit and maybe tonight in a better way be able to sing that with the understanding. If you're not a child of God though, you really need to give attention to verse number 2. Wonderful story of love, though you are far away. Wonderful story of love, still He doth call today. Calling from Calvary's mountain, down from the crystal bright fountain, in from the dawn of creation. Wonderful story of love. It is the greatest story this world has ever known, and that is the sending of Jesus Christ to this earth. That's why the angels had rapture. They were rejoicing that Jesus had come, the Messiah had come. And they now are in heaven singing the rapturous chorus, and we long one day to join them in singing that chorus as well. If you're not a child of God, can we encourage you tonight through the words of this song to come and be a part of that great family of believers so that you can know the joys of heaven, you can know the joys of salvation, and you can have the hope of life when this life is over. If there's anybody here this evening who we can assist in becoming a Christian or helping to be a better Christian, we're singing this song to your encouragement. Why don't you take advantage of this moment right now while we stand and while we sing.